delighted to be joined by uh, Laurie Boll, um, Executive Director at Senia International. Um, it'd be great if we could start off, um, if you could just tell us a bit about your background and journey through education, Laurie. Yeah, my own personal journey? Sure, happy to do so. So my husband and I started teaching overseas back in, I mean, a long time ago. <laughs> Let's just say that. And um, we traveled and worked at multiple international schools throughout the world as I, I was an elementary school teacher. And then after the birth of our second son or our second child, we realized that um, he was not developing the same way as his sister. And we realized that he had some special education needs that were not able to, uh, he was not able to be educated in the international school system. So we went back to America and that is where I got my master's degree in special education. So I could kind of keep up with everything going on when they were telling us all these different acronyms and crazy things. So became a special educator and since then have taught uh, in several international schools around the world um, with learning support and also uh, higher needs, higher support needs programs. So it's been a fast and furious journey over the last 25 years <laughs> of um, teaching. And now I am no longer teaching. So fantastic. Brilliant. And, and obviously, Sen, you know, special educational needs um, is obviously very personal to you as well through, you know, through, through your own child experiencing it too. So yeah, that's um, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Fantastic. And, um, and and just sort of introducing um, Senior International, um, it'd be great if you could tell us a bit about uh, the mission and, and values around, around, yeah. um, around the organization. Well, yeah, I'm happy to do that. So Senia, just as a little background, started back in 2002 in Beijing, China, and it was just a group of like six or eight uh, learning support teachers who were at various schools in Beijing, and they felt very alone in their jobs. But historically, inclusivity of any type of special learning need um, didn't happen in international schools. And so this was a way for them to network. And eventually they, they came up with a mission statement, value statement, etc. So the mission of Senya is we're a, a network of educators, parents, and professionals who advocate for and provide resources for differently abled individuals. Um, our values are that we want to have an inclusive world where every individual is supported, resources are accessible, potential is maximized, and action is inspired. And so that's their original vision of Senya. And since then, we have grown into an international organization. And we have chapters in every continent and uh, local and regional chapters. And we have scholarship program. We have three pillars basically of Senya. We offer conferences, uh, virtual and in-person. We have local and regional chapters, like I mentioned. And then finally, we have a certification program where individuals can become Senya certified teachers and so what that means is that learning support teachers worldwide would have a Senya kind of stamp of approval, meaning that everyone who's in those 
who's finished that coursework is they have the knowledge and background that is approved by Senya. Hmm, fantastic. And uh, when you say chapters, Laurie, is that is that like a sort of a regional hub? Is it for? Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for asking that. Um, yeah, our local chapters really started developing once we uh, were in Be in Beijing because it was just Beijing, and then they started holding conferences. But people in the Philippines wanted to take part on a more active level. And so they started forming local chapters in cities throughout Asia. And they are they, they have their own boards. We help them through the process of starting these boards and running uh, smaller conferences on a smaller scale. And it's it's just been phenomenal to watch the growth. So yeah, it's Brilliant. great. Fantastic. And, and obviously, you know, many years spent teaching yourself um, at international schools around the world. And, um, and you, you know, you were key in spearheading intensive needs provisions um, at the International School of Bangkok um, right. until relatively recently. And um, it'd be great to, to dive into that a bit and, and sort of learn a bit sure. more about your experience there. So I think my, my first question around that would be, um, firstly, can, what do we mean specifically by intensive needs? Um, yes. And then sort of looking at, um, you know, what kind of provisions um, for intensive needs there were at um, ISB prior to you, to you joining? Right. Well, it's a great question. Intensive needs was just kind of the word that was chosen by, <laughs> by groups of people that wanted to serve students who had higher support needs. And so these were typically your students who in the past have never been able to get into an international school. They might have profound autism, be nonverbal, um, have Down syndrome, any intellectual developmental delay. So that's what we mean. So we, we're now trying to switch the verbiage from intensive needs to higher support learners. Okay, fantastic. Oh, and, and then your question about ISB. So ISB, they had quite a robust program as it was for learning support at their school. They, they have, um, support services for English as additional language learners and learning support. So they had they provided support for mild to moderate uh, learn special support needs, basically. Um, and then as time went time went on the head of school there, Dr. Andy Davies, he really wanted to open up our school for all learners. Um, and he, he relates that back to when he was a teacher at the school and he ended up having to exit a student that was a great person. You know, uh, she was, she played on the soccer team. She was really involved with her peers. Um, and academically, she was much lower than her peers. And so he, he just knew that wasn't right. That wasn't the right thing to do. And so he decided that he wanted to be able to help all learners. And so that's, that was his goal. And luckily it happened. <laughs> wow, that sounds incredible. And, um, and, and sort of putting those provisions in place so that there were already sort of mild to moderate um, provisions uh, or learning provisions for, for those students. And then the sort of the higher, higher needs, um, what, what kind of provisions did, did you put in place to sort of help all the learners at the school over that time? Yeah, well, first of all, it's really important to kind of build up the overall understanding 
and belief around inclusion. And so we, before we even started the program, we did a series of workshops and uh, meetings with the community. So others in the community could understand why we were opening this program up. There's a lot of long held beliefs that individuals who have higher needs take away from the learning of the typical learners, um, mm -hmm. which we have research has shown that's not true. Um, so we, we did a lot of work around that. And then we also helped the students in the school understand what the differences were of the individuals coming in and how they could um, develop friendships with them mm -hmm. organically. And it, it really was pretty powerful. So we did that first. And the, the actual classroom itself it is a separate classroom. However, important things to note is that this classroom is center of the school. It's not hidden in a basement somewhere. We're proud of our um, inclusive practices. And so we want everyone to be, all our students to be visible, right? So did that. And then the classroom itself is a, a nice space. It has a kitchen for life skills teaching. Um, it has a sensory space so students can come in and use that um, to regulate their sensory systems when needed and then the the classroom itself was for us to do their academic and daily life skills goals that are written on their IEP but what is really important to know is that this was just a classroom we called it the individualized learning classroom because the goal is inclusion and so, so we wanted them to be in this classroom as little as possible. We wanted them to be with their peers and learning alongside their peers, which was very individualized for the students. And um, if, if a student could be, they were in the classroom the majority of the day and only pulled into our classroom for some social skills lessons or some life skills. But um, if a student, felt uncomfortable, let's say, in the general education classroom, then they would spend the majority of the day in our classroom. So it's very tailor-made to each and in every individual student. That's really interesting. So, so getting students together um, as much as possible um, through, through the sensory experiences of the sort of the individualized learning classroom and the general classroom is really important if, if a school yeah. is looking to, to develop these provisions for yeah, all learners. And Yes, exactly. And we opened up our classroom to all learners. So mm -hmm. if a class needed to wanted to do a cooking project, we'd invite them into our classroom. And so it normalized the classroom for everyone. Yeah. If if some of the students in in, let's say, a second grade classroom were having emotional regulation issues or sensory system issues, they could come in and use our our sensory room mm -hmm. to regulate. So it, it was good for every student in the entire school. That's amazing. And, and this, the sensory room, it, it sounds really interesting. What, what, what kind of, um, how, how did it look? Like how, how was it made sort of extra, um, yeah, sensorial yeah. For, for students, yeah. Yeah, well, there's all sorts of things that um, you could focus on in a sensory room, um, lighting, uh, sound smells. Um, for ours, it was a very much, it had 
uh, pads everywhere. So ki kids could run and they could bump into the walls if they wanted to. <laughs> um, that meets certain sensory needs for them. Um, swinging, we had a swing. Uh, we had a place for them to climb and um, different lighting. So we had like lava lamps and things like that if they needed to just um, turn off the lights and have a quiet calming space, they could mm -hmm. do that. Um, but if you look at sensory rooms around the world, they're all a little, they're all a little bit the same and all a little bit different, right? Mm -hmm. So you can focus on whatever it is that you need for your students. Really interesting. And, and sort of engaging the community you mentioned is, is really key um, in sort of making really a fully key. inclusive environment. And what, what were some of the, maybe the, some of the challenges that, that were faced around maybe sort of bringing in the community to maybe in, in that region um, to, to making sure that, yeah. that yeah. these sort of needs were catered for? Well, a lot of it was uh, usually people don't want inclusion because they don't understand it or they fear it and they don't really know what their fears are. So we brought the fears to the table and would say like, you know, your perception might be that your test scores will go down for your typically developing individuals. They will not. Um, your fear might be, and so we just kind of named the fears mm -hmm. and ensured that they, they understood that uh, their fear their fears while they had them and are valid we could make a case that <laughs> you know inclusion is just a is the right thing to do and so building that belief fantastic brilliant and sort of with, with these different initiatives you know with, with the workshops with the sort of the community um building uh mindset around the importance of inclusivity um for for all um and sort of developing these sensorial rooms um what were the sort of the i suppose what were the what were the key outcomes of this and what what did you learn about when you um, when you went through this process yeah well it was quite a learning process it was a learning process for everyone in, from the community to administration to other teachers uh there was a there were misconceptions that we needed to nip right away um but the key learning was that our students in our program were completely loved by their peers and when i guess a little story is i went in to talk to a classroom about one of the boys that was in the in our class and I went into his third grade classroom I think it was at the time and uh, I explained I showed a bunch of pictures of him doing things swimming biking you know and I was like what do you guys like to do any of these things and so what the end result was is they saw that they had all this in common with him and began to focus on their commonalities rather than their differences. And so one little boy summed it up well. He goes, you know, I liked, let's say his name's George. I liked George because he was different. I wanted to get to know him because he was different. But what I realize now is that we're more the same than we are different. So mm -hmm. I like him even more. Mm -hmm. Wow. So. So that, I mean, breaking down those barriers is is just so key, isn't it? And um, yeah, just opening lines of communication to to show that they are all essentially the same, and that, that there's nothing to fear or um, yeah. any of these sort of preconceptions is would you say is is very important? Yeah. Yes. Very important. <laughs> yeah. 
Fantastic. Brilliant. And um, I suppose just looking at, um, you know, if a school is, is looking to develop their, their intensive needs um, space or provisions for inclusion, um, and, and, you know, they're sort of just starting on that journey, I suppose, um, what, what kind of tips or, or sort of practical pieces of advice would you advise that they sort of look at first? Are there, are there sort of particular things that they should look at, you know, in, in, in the short term, medium term, maybe long term? Um, obviously, you mentioned a few things that you, you did at ISB, yeah. and it'd be great to see if there are any sort of general learnings that could be taken from that. Well, there's a lot, you know, there's that building that capability of the community and the staff and the, you know, the students surrounding you. Um, there's the actual program and the curriculum and what that looks like. Uh, there's, there's so much that uh, what ended up happening is I, we gathered, sorry, my cat's in here. Um, <laughs> we gathered a group of individuals who have opened these programs worldwide. And we came up with what we believed was the most important thing of starting a program like this and created a series of six videos of instruction of, on different, different areas of focus, finance, mm -hmm. curriculum, um, community building, that inclusion piece. And we've bundled those videos now. And so schools can purchase those from us. Um, and Senya is a nonprofit organization. Our, the purchase funds go towards scholarships. So it goes mm -hmm. right back out into the community. And they can purchase those that bundle from us. And then along with that, they can get a mentor from one of us that has started the programs to mm -hmm. help them along the process. So. Brilliant. And, and this, I suppose that, that's sort of the whole school um, approach for, for Senior, right? That, that schools can now join Senior and get these, get these provisions um, from you guys and, and sort of get share ideas for, through the network as well. Um, yeah. and, and how can, how can that sort of Senior network um, help, help schools as well? Yeah, well, we we now have just opened up membership for schools, which is really exciting. We've also opened up membership for um, individuals, just in case uh, schools aren't ready to commit to becoming a Senya member yet. But it's it's a pretty impressive platform that we have. We have a platform where individuals can go; they can ask questions from other experts in the field or just their peers worldwide. Um, one such question recently was, I'm getting a new student next year who is on a modified program. I've never created a modified program. Can I get some help? Well, within you know a day, she's had 10 people offer to help her with this. So it's, it's a great network. Um, schools can be join. And with membership, they can get Q&A session with Senya board members, or they can get some webinars from us that we've created to help them. So our goal at Senya is to create more inclusive schools. And we are here to help schools get there. And so we wanna help them along the journey any way we can. So a good place to start is by joining Senya <laughs> as a Senya member school so we can support you along the way. 
Fantastic. All right, Laurie, thank you so much for that. That was, that was really, really insightful. Um, sort of introduction to, to yourself and, and what, what Senia is doing, uh, the great work they're doing around the world. Um, so yeah, thank, thanks so much for your time and um, look forward to our, our next conversation uh, where maybe we can touch on a couple of the points that we discussed in a bit further depth. But yeah, thank you yeah. so much for your time. Thank you. Have a great day.